Hello everybody, lads and lasses, and whatever you identify as, you are very welcome to Turalura, the podcast where myself and my good friend Josh O'Loughlin are exploring folk songs. How are things, Josh? Hello, hello, hello. I'd love to be dancing around the living room here with the topic we're talking about today, but I have absolutely no energy, so I'm not going to bother. But you'd never know, I might get an old monster into me here and jump around. <laughs> I was just about to say, if you need energy, monster is the way to go. I, I just actually, I read uh, a new study. Yeah, Well, I didn't read it. I read the headline and it said that um, scientists have found evidence that uh, a high uh, level of consumption of of energy drinks are is more dangerous than they have thought before. Something along those lines. Feckin' fantastic! You know what? On on that bombshell, I'm going to finish the can I started earlier. <laughs> like I'm at this point. Why don't we just go for pints instead? Like, I know you can't hear me, Josh. Uh, Hello. I, I was just telling everyone. At this stage, like, why not just go for pints instead? Everything is dangerous. Yeah, my friend here asked me earlier on, why in the name of God do you drink that shite? And I said, well, I don't think one of these would be half as bad as the 20 points of Guinness that he sunk last night. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I've seen people fall down the stairs after a few pints of Guinness. I don't think I'd fall down the stairs after a few pints of Monster. Not that I... <laughs> Anything well, could happen after a few pints of Monster. Yeah, I guess. I had caffeine shock back when I was much younger. At least like 10, 15 <laughs> years ago. And Jesus literally... I, this, I'm sorry for laughing. What? Yeah. No, I, I, a, friend, a friend of mine, this is, this is the sort of story that I think I can tell quickly, but it usually turns out very long. But I'm going to try to keep it brief. A friend of mine and myself, we had both read a book by a famous Norwegian author... And in that book, his brother claims, because this was sort of a half biographical thing, half real, half fancy. He, his brother claimed that if you if you multiply anything in the world, any action or uh, anything you can do by 10, it instantly becomes interesting and funny. So we were like, OK, two spoons of instant espresso makes a cup. So how about we... Uh, eat 20 spoons of instant espresso. Oh, Jesus Christ. So we Christian, the scientist that he is, <laughs> experimenting every way possible. We went into the woods with with literally like a, a two-litre bottle of water and just a glass of instant espresso and we each, we just spooned 20 spoons into each of us and had like maybe a litre of water uh, <laughs> two liters divided by two of us, and I went into complete caffeine shock. They, What's my that father, entail? my father had to call them the um, the tox, toxology phone that we had, like the emergency <laughs> toxology phone, and they were like, he should be fine uh, <laughs> since he's that age. But had he been like 60, 70 he this this might have been too much for his heart. So what the fuck? I'm, like, how did you feel? Like, what was the story? Oh, Everything moved <laughs> in sort of slow motion around me. It, it's like when you see Where a you like squirrel, the squirrel in a cartoon. Yeah, and the little like, one from yeah. over the hedge and yes, time stops. exactly that way. So that's when actually had, how it goes. Yeah, and <laughs> I puked my stomach out and oh, I geez. fainted for a little bit and I woke up in with the sweats all over me in the middle of the night. So anyway, the point being, don't have like 20 cans of Monster. <laughs> I wouldn't mind, but one time I accidentally ate a spoon of coffee and it was so hard to even like get down my throat. So that must have been a horrible experience on all accounts. Yeah, <laughs> it absolutely was. Oh, Jesus. Yeah, well, anyway, I probably would have been a great dancer after about 20 spoons of espresso <laughs> powder. And if you want to see Christian dancing more, you can check out his music page on Facebook, Christian Dugstat Music, and you will find him dancing around the place. Uh, will you? Am I dancing? Well, you will be now. <laughs> I probably will. It's going out live now, so you have to put up a video. 
Yeah, I guess so. Since you're plugging me, I can plug you as well, Joshua Lachlan Music. And I guess we're in the plugging mood, so we can say that you can find us on Facebook, Turalura Podcast uh, on there. Just search for Turalura and, and skip the baby clothes, the children's clothes brand <laughs> and go straight onto the podcast page. Or you can go to Instagram and find us there. Our um, our nick is Turalura Podcast. And obviously, the email is, as always... Tura Lura podcast at gmail.com and there are about two O's in Tura, yeah, something like that. Yeah. And, and there's two and in um what's the other word? L- L- Lura? Lura, yeah. Yeah. Tura Lura. Just think hmm? of Tura, two O's and Lura. <laughs> it it makes sense when you think about it. I guess it does. And for as always, the, the review thing, you you can <laughs> if you want to. You can go into Apple Podcasts and, and hit us up. But what we really appreciate most is if you reach out and send us an email or a message or it like anything. Absolutely, or a share. I'm getting into the old Instagram stories there. If you want to give us an old tag, that'd be fucking fantastic. It would. Thank we you certainly wouldn't say no. But that is us, guys, and that is the show. And we're going to dance our way into tomorrow this evening and give you a little bit of a kick for your weekend to get you jump-started. And we're oh. going to talk about a very interesting song. I'm going to hop, skip, and jump through this. So, Josh, can I please allow you to set the scene? <sighs> You're very welcome to the show, and today we have a very special treat for you, ladies and gentlemen. It's Michal McMachachacha. Oh, holy Jesus. retirement, the world-famous dancer is back. Mother of God. Just a few moments, so hold on with us and come along for the ride. We'll see you soon. Mary, Mary, Michal McMachachacha is out of retirement. He's going dancing on the radio. Come in, quick. Oh, holy shit, you're joking me. Michal McMachachacha. Back dancing on the radio where he belongs. It's fucking great to see. We got there won't be a child washed in the village tonight. Would you ever hurry up to fake better and stick him on? Sure, I'm doing my best, you old bitch. I can only go as fast as the radio lets me. Right, here we go. I'll tune her up. Stuff. Oh yeah, you never lost it, alright. That's freaking mighty. Masterful is what it is, Mary. Absolute pure fucking class. Oh. That lad should never have fucking retired. What was he at it all? Deadly. Deadly is right, Mary. Deadly is right. Dancing really is the best way of conveying Irish dance, isn't it? No, what, what did I see? <laughs> dancing <coughs> is the best way to convey dance, yeah. Radio. If I wanted to convey some dancing, I'd dance too. <laughs> Radio really is the best way to convey Irish dancing. You can't beat having someone dancing on the radio. Like, all, all of the best dancers dance on the radio where they belong. Honestly, that is a good name for a song or an album or a tour or like <laughs> something music related. Dancing on the radio. <laughs> I love it. I'm 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 coining that phrase, dancing on the radio, if it, <laughs> no one else has already. What's the line there in the song? I danced on a Friday when the sky turned black. It's hard to dance with the devil on your back. Jesus. Ironically enough, that's who we're talking about. Uh, I just want to jump straight into to this and say, I when I started doing research for for this song, uh, I typed into Google. I typed in the Lord of the Dance, 
And um, I started scrolling and I scrolled uh, very quickly and uh, easily past the Wikipedia article called Lord of the Dance, parentheses, hymn. Because I was sure, even though I I know that he, he says um, in Bethlehem I had my birth, I, I, I never actually um, connected the song with Jesus Christ <laughs> Almighty. Jesus Christ on a bicycle. Except so he's not on a bicycle because he's dancing around the place there like Michael Flatley himself. Exactly. So that was yeah. that was actually news to me that this song is actually a hymn. And the song, obviously, like I said, is The Lord of the Dance. And we had a bit of a discussion uh, when we chose the song. You, uh, Josh, uh, started instantly talking about uh, Michael Flatley, um, famous Irish dancer. Um, yeah, I straight away came across your man, uh, Hardyman, who wrote most of the music for the Lord of the Dance dance show. And the first site that I came across actually said that he wrote it, which is wholly and entirely and absolutely wrong. It is. Um, and a very um, understandable misunderstanding because he has composed a piece called the Lord of the Dance, the, the title piece for... Uh, the show, but we're gonna get into the, all that musical stuff and the dancing and and everything a little bit later. But but this song, the hymn "Lord of the Dance," was written by uh, an English composer songwriter, uh, Sidney Carter, uh, and it was written in 1963. And that's how I I first, because I just accepted everything you you said as fact until yeah. I went into Spotify and I looked at the recordings of uh, the Dubliner and the Corries playing the song, mm -hmm. and they were from like the late sixties. Yeah, uh, it it kind of adds up when you do the math, doesn't it? Yeah, <laughs> I was in a rush at the time in the middle of assignments, and I I clicked on the first couple of things I found, but as you said, you even you scroll past the one that said him in the beginning, so. Yeah. You, can't, you can't blame a poor Claremont for trying. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> anyway, the song is is wildly famous, really, as a folk song. Mm -hmm. um, and again, recorded by the Dubliners, by the Corries, by two of the biggest bands in the two Celtic uh, tra traditions, or two Celtic nations most famous for for mm -hmm. folk music, for, for that sort of folk music. So it's not strange to think that it it's a traditional Irish song or that it's composed for uh, f for an Irish show or has something to do with our, uh, with Ireland. But yeah. the fact it's really... I'm pretty I mean, sure that, that that melody is implemented into the Lord of the Dance dance show. Like, it appears in there. That's part of the show. Like, it's where he got the name for the show, obviously, and the idea. So what what I love, what I love about this is when you think of the Lord of the Dance, imagine that you hadn't done all the reading that we've just done, Christian. What's the first natural image that pops into your head when you think of the Lord of the Dance, other than Michael Flatley posing? <laughs> well, I... <laughs> If f just from knowing the song, I've always because this was a song that we played frequently back in the day when I started playing Irish music, and I always imagined sort of a leprechaun skipping <laughs> away uh, over the green rolling hills on his way to the end of the rainbow to find a pot of gold or something. And it has that vibe to it. The whole like the music is very happy and light. It doesn't really. Uh, make you think of church organs and Jesus yeah. Christ on the cross. <laughs> yeah, the first thing that came into my mind when you said that was the scene in The Simpsons where they go to Catholic heaven and <laughs> and they're all dancing with the leprechauns. They they all do a big long river dance line. <laughs> oh, it's that's brilliant. beautiful. But yeah, so who in fact is the Lord of the Dance? Yeah, it is Jesus Christ. Jesus himself. Jesus himself. And Jesus. Uh, can I just say, just before we started recording, I sent you a YouTube link. Because <laughs> I, was, I was trying to piece this together. I was trying to imagine the song as, <laughs> as a hymn performed in a church. And I, I had no picture of how that would sound because I'd never heard it. I've always heard the Dubliners going, I danced in the morning when the... Uh, but going into that, listening to that massive church organ and a full choir, church choir, singing yeah. the song, like, 
How strange was that for you? <laughs> it hit different. Sure, like I actually logged into Zoom as I was watching it and I shared the sound with you and you caught me laughing my head off. I was like, this is really weird. <laughs> so it just, strange. It kind of blew my mind. But at the same time, I said to you, it sounded like I was at mass. I felt like I was going to mass on a Sunday morning and there was a load of kids from an Irish language school or something singing in the choir. And some teacher yeah. had just arranged it in a religious way. But no, this started life as a religious song. Although... Uh, Sidney Carter, who wrote the song, is in fact, well, was in fact, a uh, folk songwriter and musician. Yeah, so and, he, he, and he was on both sides of the fence. He was very religious all his life, but yeah. he was a folk musician, not just, uh, what's the word? Hymn uh, composer? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I was going to say some other word there relating to the church. Ecclesiastical, ecumenical. Uh. <laughs> I don't know <laughs> Words and words Yeah here, All here. of those words That start with E's and C's And all that fancy stuff I'm too tired to get into detail about Yeah it. and I'm too Norwegian To get into that stuff <laughs> So but yeah The melody for this song Comes from an old American shaker song Called Simple Gifts Now straight away When I read that an old American shaker song. I was thinking of like rock bands from the 50s, the movers and the shakers. Yeah, and twist the and shouts. And like I thought it was like a melody from a band called the shakers. But again, proven wrong quite quickly <laughs> here. <laughs> the shakers are in fact something what I can gather similar to Quakers. They're uh, a religious group of people. Christian, how would you best describe them? Uh, I don't know, but they're called the United Society of Believers in Christ's Second Appearing, more commonly known as the Shakers. Are, um, <laughs> so they're not a 1950s rock and roll band? No, they're definitely not. They're um, In fact, they're they would probably be very against the notion of a 1950s rock and roll band. Probably. Christian the devil's in the detail. <laughs> founded circa 1747 in England and then organized in the United States in the 1780s. They were initially known as <laughs> Shaking Quakers because <laughs> they're... <laughs> can I just can I just point dirt. out that this needs to be a 1950s rock and roll band, <laughs> the Shaking Quakers? Yeah. <laughs> oh, it's yeah, it's very interesting. But yeah, um, let's see. Their eclastic behavior during worship services um, were probably like Quakers uh, espousing egalitarian ideals. Women took on spiritual leadership roles alongside men. Interesting. Very interesting. But this is not the Shaking Quakers uh, yeah. podcast. And they practice a celibate and communal utopian lifestyle, pacifism, uniform charismatic worship and their model of equality of the sexes, which they institutionalized in society in the 1780s. So they're ahead of the game. They're known for simple living architecture, technological innovation, music and furniture. Imagine being known for furniture <laughs> yeah <laughs> but as you said this isn't a, a shakers podcast nor is it a movers and shakers podcast but yeah their song what was the name of the song again <laughs> it was called as much as oh Christ simple oh gifts so they had a song gifts. called simple gifts and christian had a bit of a listen to that and the melody is very 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 similar yeah they're it's not it's not completely the same but but if you listen if you listen to the interlude for example it mm -hmm. goes it goes straight into that param papatiria patim dam tam param pam pam so um it's it's definitely very similar yeah. uh, we can clearly see that Sidney Carter who wrote uh, Lord of the Dance had a lot of influences and was very interested in these people and their way of living because he was big into their stuff and he was also big into English religious movements and English carols and hymns and on that note he took the story of a completely different English carol called Tomorrow Shall Be My Dancing Day and he used the story of that song with the melody of Simple Gifts to create Lord of the Dance. Yeah. And uh, yeah, that, that English carol, the story basically follows a first-hand account of Jesus of Nazareth who goes through his life portraying his mission as a dance. Yeah. That's one of, one of my favourite sayings over the years in O'Donoghue's in Dublin. I first heard it from Martin Denning. Thanks very much, lads. The next song will be a dance. 
<laughs> yeah. No, it's it's and it's very poetic to to think of um to think of uh, the story of Jesus as a as a dance even though I I always like <laughs> I hate that it breaks the picture that I first had of a of a dancing leprechaun and then when I realized that it was Jesus I I was imagining sort of a Jesus character with proper moves like Jagger, uh, <laughs> but then it turns out it's it's much more boring than that. If <laughs> it's all a big metaphor, but we can yeah. still picture it in our heads. We can picture, uh, as Tommy Tiernan used to say, an eight foot BG Jesus. <laughs> <laughs> you have to watch the Tommy Tiernan video to get that. There's a video on YouTube with Tommy Tiernan talking about depictions of Jesus around the world. And uh, he says that basically if you look at the place in the world that he was from and the time he was from and you want to get an accurate depiction of what he actually looked like, you, you have to think of fucking Danny DeVito. <laughs> <laughs> and we all picture an eight foot BG Jesus. But yeah, that's Tommy Tiernan. I'm not going to go ripping off Tommy Tiernan in this podcast, but he has a fantastic podcast too with Hector O'Huckagon. You should go and check that out. And Loretta Blewett, very well worth a listen. Do you, do you do you think anyone is gonna be able to Google Hector Ochagon after after you pronounce that? <laughs> well, to be honest, like it it's spelled how it sounds. Ochagon. <laughs> please send us an email in with your best attempt, or or a message on Facebook or a DM with your best attempt of of writing Ochagon. I I have no idea how. Uh, and I'll do my best. I'll have we'll you know he's quite, a famous, he's quite a famous presenter and comedian and radio personality in this country. And he's very well known. And he's fluent in Irish. And he worked for many years for TG Cahar and travelled all around the world. He's a very interesting man. Again, he, to, uh, to anyone that don't know that, TG Cahar means TG4. It's <laughs> a, a channel, uh, a TV channel or a TV station in... In Ireland, uh, Irish uh, the the Irish language TV station in Ireland. Christian Dugstad translating my Irish since two thousand and eleven. <laughs> exactly, and if you want to listen to Irish uh, radio, it's called Radio Na Gaeltachta. It certainly is, and that means the radio of the Gaeltacht and the Gaeltacht is the Irish language region of Ireland. Yeah, and uh, uh, I. I suppose that uh, in the Gaeltacht, uh, they at least up until like modern times, they they or well, they probably still do. Josh, you can tell me better, or you can explain better than I. I'm losing my words now. But they call <laughs> the English-speaking areas for Gaeltacht, or like for at least that's a word I've I've read historically. Gaeltacht, as in foreign. Oh, you told me this before, like um Fuigrasig Nagal. Yeah. The, Ga- the Gauls. The Gauls were weren't the Gauls a name that the Romans had for the people occupied in the north of France. If anyone out there has read or seen the books of Asterix in the past, they were the Gauls living up in Normandy there. Yeah, and oh yeah, yeah. They were. But but like in, in Irish I've seen Gaul being used as for foreigners of any sort i know okay, that yeah. the the white the vikings were called um the vikings that uh ended up uh intermingling with the local population they were called uh galgodil as okay. in as in foreign gales or for yeah, yeah. as the vikings were known as foreign gales the Vikings that ended up staying and learning Irish and becoming a part of, of the Irish society, okay. Okay. they were called Galgodil, both in Ireland and in Scotland. I like that. It's it's a fascinating word. I've I like been that. toying with the thought of using it for something musical. It is Gal quite Gal interesting too, though, that the word Gael and the word Gal would be so similar because that's that can be confusing. Yeah. Is, is, he, is he a Gael or is he not? <laughs> <laughs> Back to the song though um, Yeah, sorry um, Yeah, what I was going to say was Those Gaeltacht areas You would definitely find a lot of dance going on down there They still have Kayleys on very, very uh, frequent occasions And if you ever get the chance to visit a Gaeltacht area in Ireland Don't pass up the chance to visit a Kaylee And you'll get to do some, some of your own dancing 
with the lord of the dance whoever he may be on that given night depending on how much guinness the lads have drank yeah and that's that's a good point if you i've been to a couple of kayleys and if you don't know the dances it can be quite <laughs> scary to get out on the floor but what you have to do is turn 180 degrees and go back to the bar and get about seven pints of Guinness and then you'll be dancing like there was no tomorrow. Or find a lovely girl who knows all the steps and make sure that she clings on to you for the whole night. <laughs> that, that's that's uh, an option too. I know that we've, Josh, we've been sitting in the corner uh, with a lad playing a mandolin for, for half a Kaylee at least uh, once back in the Fetal <laughs> Festival days. We certainly have in the back of uh, Bolands, wasn't it? Yeah. Jesus, I remember it well. Were you there the time that we, myself and Parik Costello and a few others actually got up during a Kaylee and joined in the dance? I couldn't tell you. In the in the back of uh in the back of not shorts, the other one. Um shit. The one out by the crossroads. Peppers. In Peppers. the back in the back tent in Peppers there was a big Kaylee and Parik Costello dragged a load of us up to dance and the the wholehearted fucking professional old ones that do this dancing, yeah, yeah, the Kaylee yeah. dancing all the time, are really serious about it and take it really seriously and they're really strict. And here was me and a couple of others like falling around the place, didn't know what we were doing. <laughs> and an old one absolutely fucked us out of it. <laughs> well, uh, I couldn't <laughs> tell you if, if I was there. I definitely wasn't on the f- dance floor. I've heard the story before. Yeah. And at this point, I don't really remember anymore because I could have <laughs> been uh, in a different bar uh, or I could have been in Norway and okay. it could have been a different year. Now, just as a disclaimer, my friend Porik is actually a very, very good set dancer, as is his sister. And uh, they were able to do it. Me and my other friend, who I thought was you, but possibly wasn't at the time, were not able to do it, and we got in troubles. <laughs> but could at the same time, this sort of stuff is supposed to be out for everyone. It's a bit of fun, but a man like me with two left feet definitely didn't help the situation for the professionals, you know? Yeah, no, back in the day, we did learn a bit of dancing, though, the, the easy ones. We, we learned a bit of brush dancing and a bit of and a bit of regular set dancing when we did the exchange thing that you now know everything about if you listen to last week's episode. Um, and I remember it being fun, but really hard when and it's it's something about like if you. If you want to get good at dancing, you need to dance sober for a while before you're able to dance drunk. And sure, uh, where's the fun in that? Yeah, exactly. And and half the time when when you're there and there is dancing going on, there is also points. So, like, <sighs> the equation is easy. The, uh, the older generation in Ireland, like I would say people from... <sighs> maybe even their late 50s, but definitely their 60s upwards, the idea of a social evening or a night out back in their time was a Cayley. So an Irish social dance in a parish hall and you would meet up and you would go to these dances and there was very rarely any drink involved. But what you do see in the depictions of them and in the old videos is there was men lying in one wall and women lying in the other wall and a man asks a woman to dance and it all goes from there but they were very sober and very innocent occasions and they were where a lot of the older generation of Ireland first met and fell in love and got married and all that kind of stuff and like I said before about all the Irish clubs over in England and America their biggest social asset was the Cayley because the dances that were happening were where people met and fell in love and all of that shazam <laughs> all of that shazam yeah no, there's a very good movie, actually. Sorry to interrupt you again, but there's a good movie called Brooklyn that stars Saoirse Ronan, and that is very well depicted in that because she ends up moving over to New York and attending Irish dances in parish halls and having great crack. <laughs> the crack, that's what it's all about. I was just going to say, if you haven't uh, dived into or listened to any Jesus <laughs> words today, Kaylee music, um, then... You should definitely check it out just to be aware of that because it's a very specific part of the tradition. It's very, it's it's traditional instrumental uh, music. It's tunes, uh, but it's um, it's specific instrumentation. It's a- almost always piano. You have drums with a snare, uh, and you have fiddles and accordions and maybe flutes. Um, 
and it's it's very you can hear it that it's extremely focused on the rhythm of of the beat yeah because it's meant for dancing like mm -hmm. the tunes uh, very often that's were. where a lot of the world's folk music or well folk, folk music sorry says I not folk music but it's where a lot of the world's traditional music would have originated a lot of oh, these yeah. tunes and melodies were originally made for dancing like Absolutely. especially like I don't have knowledge of every for fuck's sake <laughs> I don't have knowledge of every trad music in the world but certainly the Norwegian music is built around dancing and the Irish music is built around dancing and my experiences of other music are also built around dancing barn dancing in the States yeah. all, of the, all of those melodies came from certain beats and steps and it all was built together it all became yeah. part of the one thing but today if you're if you're used to listening to traditional music and you're used to the more contemporary bands baiting out tunes uh, in 100 miles per hour uh, with uh, experiment experimental instrumentation and st stuff it can be really interesting and informing historically informing to go and listen to a good bit of Kaylee music and mm -hmm. and really see where it all uh, not where it all comes from but it's a very very important yeah. part of the history like in terms of Irish dance just for all of you listening out there that are not native to Ireland the stuff that you would see in the likes of river dance is a very modern form of dance we have older forms of dance in the in the likes of set dancing and chanos dancing, which are the two kind of traditional forms of Irish dance. River dance came much, much, much later. But um, set dancing is very much a group affair where you can have groups of six, eight, twelve people in sections on a dance floor dancing specific steps to the rhythms of the tunes. And then chanos was more of a one or two person affair that was very much, uh, it can be compared to a, a hybrid of tap dancing and clog dancing <laughs> I think yeah and you, you're a little bit of a, a human ins musical instrument as well like you work yeah, a bit, absolutely. bit like a drum or, or playing mm -hmm. spoons or and that's why a lot of the modern bands you see nowadays they love getting Shano's dancers out to do very fancy and interesting dances but to do duets with baron players or drummers and you can have entire percussion sections like dancers are a percussion section all of their own and you can even see it in the terms of the engineering that they do on stage like some dancers have mics in their shoes the stage when you have dancers is usually mic'd like oh, yeah, you have a yeah. you have a live stage if you take a step it's gonna echo through the whole room i love all of that stuff it's really interesting and i love like how people choreograph and even write the dancers into the music these days it's it's fantastic and it's amazing the way people can do this stuff absolutely brilliant and do you remember when we went to italy uh, to play uh, at the Ferrara Buskers Festival and we uh, got to know uh, Shinadershi, mm -hmm. uh, a band from Galway. Um, it's literally translated, that's what she said. Am I right? <laughs> it is, Bigot. Yeah. Um, they had uh, a dancer with them and she actually had like a wooden, a board, a floorboard or a section of wood. And if I'm not mistaken, that was actually mic'd with a piezo pickup or something and they plugged um, mm -hmm. They plugged a jack into it. Deadly. So, so it acted she, like a stump box. Yeah, acted as a stump box, and she was uh, Shinas dancing, or, or well, she was dancing on it, step dancing on that uh, on that uh, wooden piece on the streets of Ferrara, and acted again as a percussionist as mm -hmm. well as a very visual part of the music. Yeah, this this whole idea of modern dancing, like river dance, really brought it into the future. So it, it was good for some things. It was pretty pretty cool. But we'll get on to river dance shortly, Christian. Um, let's get back to the song for a second. <laughs> yeah, I found I, 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 I found something really interesting there about uh, what the writer um, Sidney Carter considered when it came to people because he had the same notion that people would think about this bg jesus dancing around the place and people would ask him is he worried that it would be considered blasphemous to have <laughs> jesus dancing around and he said whether jesus ever leapt in galilee to the rhythm of a pipe or drum i do not know we are told that david danced as an act of worship so it is not impossible the fact that many christians have regarded dancing as a bit ungodly in a church at any rate does not mean that jesus did 
<laughs> I love that. Is like if dancing was an act of worship, I'd I'd love to have gone to mass two or three hundred years ago. It'd be more like a Kaylee than a mass. Yeah, but you don't have to go far. Like, try look at the um, the Baptists uh, or Afro American African American um, congregations. Yeah, they are they are standing up and moving and it, like it's it's amazing to to look at how they uh have have a mass or whatever yeah. you want to call it uh, it's incredible compared isn't to it? the, the our our picture of that the protest the protestant or, or catholic like really strict sitting on the with the you can taste the church bench through your arse <laughs> what it's it's a very common it's a very common Norwegian expression <laughs> called um, uh, wood taste in your arse. It means when when you're sitting on something that's really really hard for a long time and your your behind starts to ache. That's I can't say that's an expression I've heard in English, but let's but go. You there. should let's start. Go. You should start saying it. I can taste the wood through the arse. <laughs> Holy Jesus Almighty! That 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 is not an image I want in my head. <laughs> oh yeah, no. Anyway, like body I, shots. <laughs> <laughs> I was I was thinking about this. Like we've talked about religion a bit um, on previous episodes, and obviously religion is a very important cultural aspect of uh of ireland and an important part of irish identity and we've talked about rebels and and um and catholicism and protestantism and all of that but it's interesting how like if you look at folk songs that you know and play how many of them do actually work in religion to to the song a lot i would say like, yeah. I'm not going to say off the top of my head, but many, many, sure, Jesus, every aspect of our language works religion into it. Even more so in Irish, in Gaelic, than in English. Like, every single sentence and phrase that we use is based on religion in Irish. Diagrit means hello. God be with you. Yeah. You know? It's like... It, it, it forms the basis of a hell of a lot of the fundamentals of our culture and society, which is really interesting. It's it's like you said, it just shows how ingrained it is in Irish culture. I, I would say it's very different in Norway, is it? Uh, well, it is. It isn't like... <sighs> it's it's hard for me to answer i'm i'm not i would not consider myself um a religious person i have a deep respect for for anyone and everyone and whatever they choose to believe but but no norway is a very secular uh, yeah. country and religion is not a big part of daily life over here yeah. uh, i would say it's it's getting like that over here too, like as the generations move on and the younger people would be a lot more um, leaning towards atheism. I know that that obviously, folks, does not apply to everyone, but in my experience from what I can see, it's leaning that way more so in the last few years. Like it's it's interesting to look at because even even the most staunch atheist in this country will still have to speak using religious terms because that is how we speak <laughs> especially yeah. in Irish like I said I said Diagwit God be with you if you want to answer that and say hello to you as well you say Dias Muragwit God and Mary be with you yeah <laughs> like I don't know why that's your response to hello why does it have to be a different word hello to you hello and Mary to you <laughs> <laughs> no, but it's it, it actually like if you're thinking about context it's more of a, a very hello to you <laughs> I guess it is. <laughs> but like, yeah, it's, I just found it interesting like that even the biggest atheists would have to deal with it in that way. They still ha- they still use the same language as us, you know? Yeah, but it, but then again, like even in English and, and probably m- most languages around the world, you, you have religion 
uh, and superstition and history worked into the language in in some some ways. I don't remember exactly how, but um, but modern folklore again a podcast that I <laughs> pitch as often as I can. They have talked extensively about uh, Irish language and religion, and and they can very easily point to examples of English doing exactly the same. It's just not as obvious to us today. Yeah. So. Mm-hmm. But if you find the language part very interesting, I would definitely suggest that you listen to that podcast. It's, and a, it's a lot of those, a lot of those Latin-based languages, that's where it initially would have come from. Like Latin was the language of Rome, if I'm not yeah. mistaken. And yeah, Rome yeah, was the was. religious capital of the world since the beginning. So, <laughs> yeah. But then again, like um, Jesus didn't didn't live until well, our 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 year zero so that means everything before that like the main religion i guess in in rome would have been their old religion with jupiter and mars and mm-hmm. pluto and and all of the planet jazz speaking of the planets and all of that gustav holst actually wrote a setting for this particular hymn just it popped into my head from my from my research the original hymn now i mean not lord of the dance the okay. one that it's based on the Tomorrow Shall Be My Dancing Day. Gustav Holst was a very famous composer who wrote The Planets, which is a classical depiction of each planet, which is really, really worth listening to. Mars by Gustav Holst in The Planets is one of the most incredible pieces of classical music you'll ever hear in your life. And I know this is a folk music podcast, and I'm a trad musician from Clare, but sometimes you have to get a bit of culture out of us as well, you know? (laughs) <laughs> if you twist him hard, <laughs> he'll leak classical music all over your carpets. <laughs> Honestly, though, you should listen to that Mars from the planets. It's fucking incredible. You probably know it from movies and things. It's one of those that you will always hear and recognize. I'll, I'll give it a listen. I'll let you know if I've heard <laughs> it before and what I think. And I'm diving off topic here again. I apologize. No, you are absolutely grand. It's your edit, so it's your it's your <laughs> bitch of a job. Uh-oh. Um, <laughs> should we should we swiftly move on? Because I have a couple of things I want to talk about. Absolutely, you sent me a wee little list there a little while ago. Yeah, we talked. We already talked a bit about Lord of the Dance, the show, mm-hmm. uh, and River Dance, the show. And yeah. we could start off by um, by uh, just telling the people out there, just giving them the short, definite version. Uh, what is Riverdance, uh, Josh? The show Riverdance, where does it come from? What's the history? Do you know it? Riverdance was a theatrical show that was originally composed and written by Bill Whelan. And it featured for the very, very first time in 1994 at the Eurovision Song Contest. Basically, in the 90s, Ireland was kind of a powerhouse for the Eurovision. We were winning Eurovisions all around us back when it was a musical competition as opposed to a reality TV show. (laughs) A different story this year. You didn't even qualify. (laughs) Yeah, no, it's very, very different these days, unfortunately. But back then, when music was music and people voted for talent, we, we, we used to clean up at the Eurovision. (laughs) <laughs> and uh, But yeah, so as I'm sure many of you will know, the Eurovision Song Contest is, uh, it used to be Europe-wide, but now for some reason Australia and Israel and all sorts of countries like this are also, for some reason, considered for the Eurovision Song Contest. And I hear a rumour that America's throwing a sort of a <laughs> Eurovision uh, rip-off. Uh, I wouldn't be this surprised. Year, next year? No, I, th- I think they've actually announced it. And I th- Really? If if I'm not mistaken, I think Will Farrell is even involved. He, oh, he came it. out with a. It's terrible, but it's brilliant. The Eurovision movie, like yep. just watch it because it's it's actually not that far from and the truth. It, it it actually does cover the Eurovision really well, <laughs> to be <laughs> honest. And uh, the main song from it was nominated for an Oscar for best original song for a movie, and it's quite a good song, I have yeah. to say. But uh, Husavik is that a real is that a real place, Christian? I know Husavik? you're not from Iceland, but is is um, it a real town? I think it might be fictional. Okay. <laughs> but Iceland is a real place. I've heard of it. I've heard of it. 
but yeah, yeah so okay, basically yeah. The, the the Eurovision, as I was saying, it's it involves many many countries. I won't say it's Europe-wide anymore because, as I said, it's expanded its horizons. But uh, the winner each year hosts the competition the following year and it's a huge boost for tourism and money and income but it also costs quite a lot of money to stage and in ireland we staged it many many times in the 90s but in 1994 we were tasked with the issue of having to produce uh what what would be the equivalent of a super bowl halftime show in between acts you always get bursts of cultural activity dancing song and all that kind of stuff from the host country yeah. and this particular year bill whelan uh came up with Riverdance and he composed all the music and it's kind of a hybrid because he brought music from all over Europe into the fold. He has Bulgarian music, Spanish music, all kind of blending and mixing with Irish music and in a way this was the first time that this was done in such an intricate way. I know we had Andy Irvine and all that like bringing in Bulgarian tunes and he actually consulted with Bill Whelan on similar things in the past but this was the first large scale kind of big production that accurately and elegantly depicted a fusion of Irish music with other types of music. And along with the fold with that, he added a big feckin' massive dance troupe to do a new type of modern dancing. And it's step dancing, which is hands down by the side and absolute fancy movement and jumping around the place and all that kind of stuff. It's 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 the dan it's the Irish dancing that you will know and love today. And Michael Flatley was brought in and he was the first man kind of credited with using his hands while dancing because before that step dancing did not involve very much hand movement at all and they were strictly told to keep their hands down by their sides. But this was, like I said, a hybrid and it involved a lot of modern techniques that just blew up and a lot of people say they still remember the first time they ever saw the Eurovision in 1994 and the hair standing on the back of their neck when Riverdance happened because it was it was a moment in history, you know what I mean? Like it was just an explosion of culture that Irish people didn't know was possible at the time and it was all Gene Butler, Michael Flatley and Bill Whelan that kind of came up with it and spearheaded it and made it so famous and after that it evolved into a full show toured the world as it says here on the website it's visited over 450 venues worldwide and it's been seen by 25 million people and we um, are two of those people we certainly are actually uh, a friend of mine tara howley played with them for many years on the pipes and she still plays with them but obviously they're not touring at the moment but uh we went to see them in the gaiety two two or three years ago 2018, so three yeah. years, yeah. yeah. It's it's definitely, it's evolved from a halftime show at the Eurovision into an institution and brand all of its own. And it's got derivative shows that have expanded from it. And there's, they're shitting money, Christian. Yeah. <laughs> they <laughs> like are. <ha> yeah. <laughs> they absolutely are. And that is where uh, the Lord of the Dance comes in, because that is um, a follow-up show. Uh, mm -hmm. That was uh, first um, premiered in uh, 1996, and I just want to, since we've talked about religion and how Jesus is the Lord of the Dance and everything, I just want to mention here from again from Wikipedia the story of Lord of the Dance, the musical, is uh, the story follows the character Lord of the Dance and his fight <laughs> against the evil Dark Lord Don Dorcha <laughs> from taking over Planet Ireland. <laughs> the Lord of the Dance defeats the Dark Lord's invasion with help from a little spirit there is also a story uh, of love versus lust theme <laughs> expressed through dance throughout the show uh, Sorsha uh, the Irish uh, Colleen fights for love of the lord of the dance against the wicked Morrigan uh, the temp temptress the story is um, the stories are based on ancient Irish folklore uh, and some biblical references uh, which is I love it I, I love the, like the story of this show is what I imagine the hymn Lord of the Dance being about <laughs> <laughs> like it's all of that stuff it's it's the but crazy but that's where Michael Flatley came up with it if I'm not mistaken Lord of the Dance was Michael Flat Michael Flat Michael Flatley's bridge <laughs> sorry I'm laughing at my own pronunciations here because I'm stumbling over words Michael Flatley's brainchild was Lord of the Dance and this is this is an absolute like 
the epitome of cashing in because he saw how well it was doing and he developed it further and he made his own shows. And the man is one of the richest like artists in the world now. He's got his he's got his fucking feet insured for millions. Yeah. <laughs> Do you know? <laughs> you always oh. say fakna and fakna. Down boys. Oh my god. Yeah. But yeah. No, he's uh sorry. <laughs> go on, go on, go on. Uh yeah, he re- he really cashed in on that show, and he's he's had other shows since then. He had one called the Celtic Tiger in the late nineties as well, which <laughs> really yeah, another big big world famous world touring dance show. But they're all based off of the back of Riverdance, and that was what really started it out, you know. And the story of Riverdance itself involves fairies and nymphs and all that kind of stuff too. It's a really interesting story, and it's worth worth checking out if you've never seen it. But in particular, guys. You should look for the 1994 version, the interval show from Eurovision, and it is on YouTube. And I'll post it in the show notes down below. It uh, Jerry Ryan introduces it, and they go, "Ladies and gentlemen, Riverdance," and that's when it all kicks off. And it's one of one of the most culturally significant uh, moments in recent Irish history, I would say, according yeah, to many people. Because <laughs> if you go for further back, I guess there are a few other things that might. There might, might have been one or two things, yeah. Yeah, <laughs> but yeah, no, it's uh, it's uh, an important historical document for mm-hmm. sure. But well, it was a time that's been considered like the time when music and the, what's the word, the public's opinion of the music and the culture shifted ridiculously in a good way. Like it all turned interesting to people all of a sudden when this stuff started doing so well. Yeah, no, it it is, it is obviously... Very, very important. But it has uh, me thinking of a couple of things that really um, frustrates me. Can I can I vent? You Is can. This a safe it's, space? it's great. Yes, it's a safe space. It's good to get this from you from the perspective of someone who isn't Irish because then it doesn't sound like I'm just giving out. <laughs> okay. Okay. <laughs> I'll I'll start. I'll start with the easiest, um, and that is. And I don't know if this is common around the world or if it's uh, a very Norwegian thing or <sighs> what do I know? But uh, ever since I was I was uh, little, uh, I have heard people referring to because obviously I'm born in 1992. Riverdance happened in 94. Um, and by I uh, was at a conscious age. And uh, was first like, introduced to Irish dancing, and and I wasn't officially introduced, but I came across Irish dancing. It has been under the name River Dance. People have all my life called Irish dancing River Dance, and I'm, I'm. What I'm saying is that they've used River Dance as a verb. <laughs> they've said this is what they call river dance she is a professional river dancer she is going to a uh, river dance class from two until four o'clock um she's a professional river dancer like that to me when i realized that river dance was the name of a show mm-hmm to me that w- it's mind blowing how frustrated i am with that i like i i know it's a little thing but it's just so fucking irritating <laughs> and you do you hear it all the time it's it's the name of a show i can see why it happens yeah but i can also understand why it's irritating and it can be irritating oh my god you play the river dance music yeah <laughs> and <laughs> Like to me, the, my my best uh, my my best uh, comparison would be like if you're an actor, and uh, a very famous play. Okay, let's say Shakespeare's Hamlet. Mm-hmm. Like how, like how does that even work? Like people come up to you and say, "Oh, you're a professional Hamleter." <laughs> yeah, you're you're great look, at the old Hamlets. Look at your man over there, Hamleting. <laughs> Is Hamleting away? <laughs> He's a professional Hamleter. Yeah. Or or a pilot. Uh, oh, he's a great Boeing. He's a great Boeinger. <laughs> Boeinger. <laughs> Boeinger. 
<laughs> so that's that's one thing I wanna I wanna yeah. say this right now, please. If if you're if you're describing Irish dance and we're talking about like the modern modern air quotes um, competition dance performance mm-hmm. dance, if yeah. you're calling it river dance, you're wrong. Stop doing it. It's <laughs> not called that. Just call it Irish dance. What he said. Yeah, no, we'll categorise it really quickly. I'm going to categorise it for you. The oldest form of Irish dance, as I said, is Shannos, the old style, which looks like a hybrid between clog dancing and tap dancing. The next one that we have is set dancing, which is sets. They're literally in groups, groups and bars and beats, and it's all set out, and it's very fun to see and fun to do. The more modern one, step dancing, the one that everyone knows as river dancing, Irish dancing. And... um yeah, that is the one that we're talking about here that features in all of Michael Flatley's stuff. And as Christian said, be careful what you're feckin' saying about it. Don't be calling <laughs> it by the wrong name. Or Christian will be after ye. <laughs> I'll come after you with a fucking brush from a brush dance. And I'll That's another one. Bloody. The brush um, dance, the barrel dance, all yeah, that good stuff. Th- so, so many dances. Um, but um, The drunk dance. dance. The modern <laughs> Irish form of step dancing mm-hmm. am i correct in saying that that is the form of dancing uh, that is uh, being competed at in in the likes of america and around the world with big dresses and hair yes. and makeup yes absolutely it's more of a pageant than a talent competition at this point. yes because that is the other thing i want to talk about <laughs> the other frustration i want to vent and i'm not even going to jump into the to, to the visuals there specifically um uh before i've said the other thing because uh, in my mind i have a very visual mind i'm not much of a drawer or designer but i i think very visually and to me i uh, connect traditional music and folk music uh with very specific sort of palette in my in my head obviously yeah it's all the classics the rolling hills and and the cottages and the 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 the, the straw roofs and and all that but it's also like you know me josh you know i love a good tweed jacket or a waistcoat or a paddy cap <laughs> and linen and yeah linens and wools and tartans and and uh, grandfather shirts and leather boots of spanish leather and like you y- you know where i'm going here yeah like, leather bags and and yeah all of that that is like the organic old style materials that you can like t- a professional old style tailoring like all of that is part of uh, my visual image of traditional music. And obviously, like, if you go to the flat, most people will be uh, clothed in normal clothes. And a lot of people w- will be walking around in, in GAA jerseys. And again, mm-hmm. like, that has a very historical significance and it's part of that image. Uh, so... To me, it is extremely like the discrepance, the 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 complete uh, shift when when you move on to the to the Irish dancing competitions and you look at the people there in polyviscose, uh, polypropane, uh, pink, blue, like electric blue and and uh, uh, magenta dresses uh, and. Kids at the age of seven being uh, like wearing makeup uh, that looks like it's on a theater stage uh, uh, to make you look like you're, I don't know, like a porn star. And (laughs) you're wearing a wig, like a child wearing a wig. The wig is heavier than the child. Yeah. It's weighing them down. Like I, I'm not, I'm not one to give out about like how the competitions are run, and but but to me, yeah. there's such, there's such a mismatch between the culture it's representing, like the old culture that lies behind it, and the thing that it it, it has become. Yeah, it's worth doing a bit of research. Like I don't want to say too much about it without understanding why it happens, and I don't understand why it happens. It might even be worth getting a dancer on the show here to have a chat about it because I'd be really interested to see. The people that I know that I've worked with over the years that are really, really big into Irish dancing and have won awards and world championships that are involved in this stuff. I'd love to talk to them and get their two cents on how and why it happens, you know? Yeah. Because they 
they're all for it, but I'd, I'd love to know their actual opinions about it because I, I really don't know. For the likes of me, years ago when I competed in Flaz in a Cayley band, we had a uniform. Like, a Cayley band is a strict one-unit thing and everyone has to be dressed the same and you have your shirt and your tie and all of that. And as you said before, when you're competing as a Scottish pipe band, they're all going to be going around in their kilts and their uniforms too. Like, there's there's dress codes for things and some of it's based on tradition. Others, other parts of it is probably based on rules. Like, I would say that there's a certain amount of points in an Irish dancing competition that goes towards the visual yeah and and again, again I, I suppose it all goes towards the visual because it's all <laughs> fake and visual but you know what I mean yeah, presentation I, as opposed to visual absolutely but, yeah. and I'm not I'm not going to sit here and give a, out about something I don't know but it's something I don't understand and that is yeah. the point I'm trying to make I'm not saying I'm irritated about this I'm just yeah. frustrated about not understanding how it happened and what yeah. what the story is there and I would love to have someone on to talk about it and, and I might do that I, I have I have a few people in mind that we could get on even if it's not about a song we could uh, we could do a special little chat even if it's not a full length episode just about this because we can have a call back to this episode and all of that good stuff and see yeah. what the story it, is it is a very important part of the culture again mm-hmm. it it's it's uh, yeah. heavily tied to the music and mm-hmm. it's becoming uh, like you said Josh it's becoming an an important part of or it is an important part of many traditional bands as well, like the mm-hmm. bands that travel around and play both songs and tunes. Often get dancers on stage because yeah. it's bands so like the Kilfenora Kaylee Band from Clare. Like they have a stage show absolutely perfected, and they have got fantastic dancers that join them on stage. They even do a whole a cappella set where Gary Shannon comes out on the flute and the drummer comes out and they play with a dancer and they do a whole rhythmic a cappella thing and Gary starts lilting and the drummer starts drumming and your man's dancing and it's all going at the same time and then the whole band comes in with a tune and it's feckin' brilliant. I might try and find that video and post that in the show notes too actually because it's just, like, to me that is incredible because it incorporates everything into one set by the Kilfenora Kelly band and like that's more powerful than anything I've seen in Riverdance personally yeah. people might not agree with me that saw Riverdance for the first time when nothing like it existed before and went <gasps> what is that holy shit but <laughs> yeah it's uh, definitely worth looking at yeah oh yeah absolutely and to me uh, the proper lord of the dance would have to be the 90 year old fella <laughs> when you're at a session in during the Fecal Festival in yeah. in Shorts Bar and you're at a session and you're sitting there, you're playing tunes and then the 90-year-old fella that, like, even if he's speaking English, you can't understand the word he's saying. Uh, <laughs> he gets up and, like, he's, his whole stature is, is like, he's... You can see his age in the way he moves, but then the music starts and like literally the feet just fly off the floor and he starts dancing Shanos and it's <laughs> absolutely amazing. Yeah. Yeah, hundred percent. And you do, you see those older generation that can hard that can hardly sit down, let alone stand up, and suddenly the, the trad starts and they're hopping around the place like young lads. It's fantastic. Absolutely <laughs> fantastic. So folks if you're of the older generation or of the older mentality like we are and you want to meet a new bride, you need to go to a Cayley. No, people our age don't go to Cayleys to find women anymore because they, they'd be significantly older than us, unfortunately. A great new Tinder opener, actually, for <laughs> you, Josh. Well, maybe not in Ireland, but for anyone who wants to use it in the States or, or thereabouts, um, do you want to go to a Cayley with me? Or do you want to dance the brush dance? <laughs> I don't know, something <laughs> along those lines. There's definitely something in there. Who's who's going to come and dance us? <laughs> words, why can't I pronounce things today? Who's going to come and dance a Siege of Venice with me tonight? <laughs> Go on, love, I know you want to. <laughs> I can see you're itching to dance on the radio where you belong. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> Dancing on the radio and the circle is complete. It certainly is. I've enjoyed this. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> Folks, we actually, like, I'd love to talk about dancing more in the future. This is all Lord of the Dance and chat and shite about dance, but there's definitely a lot more to be done in the future. And I would like to get a dancer on. Yeah. Maybe we can pick another dance-heavy song or not and just bring on a special guest and chat about it. Because I have a lot of friends that are heavily involved in the dance world and it's 
definitely definitely oh, Jesus Christ I can't speak definitely worth a look <laughs> Jesus Christ the Lord of dance himself again the circle is complete yes <laughs> I, I I agree let's do it let's cool. just do it um, it's been a pleasure absolutely as always Mr. Dugstad yeah so go on to Facebook Tour Lura do write to us give us some anecdotes we're getting some great ones in there over the last few days we will shout them out over the next few weeks we will. thanks a million for keeping in touch and still listening to the show guys and as always we're delighted to have you here and we're delighted to be bringing you I won't call it the best in Irish <laughs> folk song faking chats but they are Irish folk song faking chats all the same and <laughs> we'll do our best <laughs> they're not the best but they're the best that we can do ah yeah at such at such notice anyway we'll yeah. do our research and we'll bring we'll bring the news to you that you're too lazy to find for yourself <laughs> i can see you're struggling for every single word it's coming i really out am out. i mustn't have had enough monster here today monster uh, energy all of the energy none of the calories <laughs> monster sponsor us toralura toralura Oh, great stuff. <laughs>